Hello, world. You are watching live with Angular Air. Um, my name is Kent C. Dodds. I'm your host. And we are joined by some very special guests. Um, so go ahead and say hi when I say your name so people know who is who. Uh, so we are joined by David East. Hello. And uh, Jacob Winger. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and Cato uh, uh, Richardson. Hello. And our panelists are Amy Knight. Hello. And Carmen Pippa. Oh, man, Carmen. <laughs> Pippa beat you. That's good. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. I, I've got to mess up somebody's name every show. That so. one was for Olivia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. OK. Um, so and like I said, I, um, I'm your host, Ken C. Dodds. Uh, so let's go ahead, and I'll just give a couple of quick announcements. So. Um, next week's show is uh, May 12th, same time, same place, with John Mueller. Uh, he's from the uh, Google Webmaster Central uh, team. So uh, he's going to join us to talk about Angular apps and JavaScript and search optimization. So that should be a pretty um, exciting show. I've, I've always been wondering about how you do SEO with Angular apps. So that'll be, that'll be sweet. And we actually may be um, joined by a couple of the other Angular uh, core members there as well. So stay tuned. Um, and join, a, join us on uh, Twitter and Google Plus to stay up to date with the latest and greatest from Angular Air. Uh, oh, and don't forget to order your Angular Air t-shirt. Um, they're going to be great. I'm, I'm super excited to get mine in a couple weeks. So, Where do um, we order those at, Ken? Sorry, what? Where do we order those at? Oh, good question. Go to teespring.com slash ng-air. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, and that's other, another thing that I forgot to mention. Um, if you guys mention a link in the show, put it on the uh, Hangout event on uh, Google+, Plus, and then people can go there and uh, see all the links and stuff. So yeah, uh, there is a link right now for uh, buying these awesome Angular Air t-shirts. So go check it out. Um, all right. Great. So without any further ado, um, again, this, this show is Angular with Firebase. I don't think I mentioned that yet. Um, so yeah, Angular with Firebase. And we have some Firebase wizards here uh, with us. And so let's uh, just go ahead and get started. Not, not everybody watching the show may be familiar with Firebase. So could we get a quick intro on what Firebase is? So um, basically, Firebase is a platform for building extraordinary apps. Uh, what we want to do is free engineers from managing backend services and just allow them to build, focus on building their apps. Uh, currently, we provide super easy authentication, real-time data store. Um, we throw in free SSL certificates and hosting because being awesome is fun and hosting is not. Um, and that's pretty much a summary, you know, the, the high-level view of Firebase. Cool. You guys have anything to add to that? No, that was pretty good. <laughs> so, a good quick summary. Um, I, I know that Firebase is a lot more complicated than that. Um, so from a technology standpoint, like uh, and like the the uh, API, uh, can you describe a little bit how that works? Sure. So Firebase, um, the the real time data store portion um, is a JSON NoSQL data store. Um, so there are no schemas, no tables. Um, you can store the data pretty much however you like, um, within reason. And um, it will, um, any changes you make 
to the data as, as you write them. Anybody listening on that path up to hundreds of thousands of users uh, will receive the updates instantaneously in milliseconds. Um, so that's sort of the back-end technology. The real-time data store is what we began with, um, and we've just expanded out from there um, to include you know, all the other tools we offer as well. Right, and as, as Kato mentioned, uh, we are like multi-platform, so we have uh, APIs for, for JavaScript, for, you know, writing your Angular apps or writing, you know, Ember, React, whatever you want. Um, and then on top of that, we also have um, APIs for or SDKs for uh, iOS and Android. Um, and then we also have a REST SDK, uh, or a REST point, uh, if you want to go ahead and use it in Python or in whatever language of your choice. Cool. So um, um, what kind of apps can be built with, uh, with Firebase? Like, uh, like, can I use Firebase for everything? Is it like the perfect solution? Like, we finally discovered the right, or the right answer for every question, or uh, are there like, specific use cases that it, it matches better with? I mean, if I'm answering that question, the answer is yes. I don't, I don't, I don't use anything else anymore. Like, I, There's only one right answer to that I'm question. Like, I'm like, how do I use Firebase to do that? Like, I, it doesn't even have to be something that I'm going to store data in a database. I'll be like, how can I get Firebase into this? Um, but I, I think Firebase, what would you guys say? I think Firebase is really the, the um, at its peak when you're working with um, multiple users that you want to collaborate on apps together. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if you, if you don't have any collaboration going on, you could just store the data in local storage in the browser and, you know, in your, in your iOS you know, application, and there's probably no need for a data store at all. Um, the authentication components, though, and the hosting components can always be used ad hoc. So even if you're just building something that's going to be like a, a personal journal for users, I mean, there's still a lot of great... Um, features you can take advantage of there. Um, I, guys, tell me some apps you can't use Firebase for. Um, so essentially, like, Firebase is uh, a bunch of like smaller services that you can all use together to like uh, build as your total backend, or you can use them off like one by piecemeal. So you uh, could use the real-time database just to do to power like uh, a chat in your app, or you could use it to uh, show real-time like plotting over a map. But then you also can do uh, just one-time data reads as well, so it doesn't have to be in real time. Um, but uh, we also do with authentication. So anytime that you don't want to run an OAuth server, which for me is every day of my life, um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's really useful to have something out there where I just plug in API keys into a dashboard and I call a method and if from an SDK and I'm automatically authenticated with uh, GitHub, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, you name it, you can do it. And uh, so that's that's like a lot of apps that just want to spin up really quickly that do that. As far as apps that don't run so well is stuff like if you want to do a lot of heavy image processing. So if I'm uh, if I'm YouTube and I need to not only serve video but I need to actually crunch through video and apply filters and stuff like that. Like we uh, we don't have any services right now that do uh, you know binary processing and stuff like that. Like you're not going to run Periscope uh, on Firebase right now. Mm. Okay, and I uh, go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, I was gonna say that I when when Firebase was really young, they were trying to come up with a like like the catchphrase for Firebase, and I think one was one of the candidates was like 
do you have data that changes? Then you should use Firebase. <laughs> and so, like, they wanted to become, like, you know, we will still want to become, you know, traditionally it's been a request-response world. You know, you say, hey, server, like, do I have any data? And the server says, no, I don't have anything for you. And you keep polling and saying, hey, do I have data? Do I have data? And we, the Firebase protocol is different because instead of constantly asking the server for when you have data, the server just tells you right when it has data. And so this is better, especially on mobile, because you're not wasting a bunch of battery life making all these empty requests. And so we think we have a better paradigm for um, sharing data between, uh, between clients, between servers. And so you know, our goal is to build all apps in Firebase and to make like, all data shared on the internet like, go through Firebase. That would be, you know, we think it's a better protocol than what apps are traditionally using. Awesome. Yeah, I know that uh, for me, I, I can just echo what uh, what David said. I I hate dealing with authentication. Like that's just a pain. So I I have um, probably three or four apps that I just use Firebase just for authentication and nothing else. Uh, it's just so so nice. Um, yeah, so crazy. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about that protocol you were talking about, Jacob. Like so. Um, maybe could you describe the technology a little bit? Like, is it using WebSockets? What if the browser doesn't support WebSockets? That kind of thing. Yep, yep. So um, our clients are are very complex, um, and they they do use WebSockets underneath. Um, and if a browser doesn't have WebSockets, then we will fall back to long polling. Uh, thankfully, we're moving into a world where you know most of the modern browsers are are using WebSockets, and even a lot you know the mobile browsers are using WebSockets. Uh, so it's becoming less and less of an of an issue. Uh, but we do have, you know, support all the way back, uh, supporting, you know, old old IE browsers and uh, things that don't have the WebSockets. Um, but yeah, it's if you're not familiar with WebSockets, it's essentially a like persistent connection to um, a, our Firebase servers. And so uh, instead of having to make a new, you know, request every single time you want data, uh, the server can just go ahead and push you data whenever it has it. Uh, so again, like I said, on mobile especially, this is really important because you're not wasting a bunch of battery life, um, you know, making all those requests. I think another important feature that uh, differentiates Firebase is our offline capabilities, too, as well. So when you're working with the WebSockets, you're going to lose connections once in a while, right? It's the internet. It's a big place, and it's got a lot of black holes in it. Um, and so Firebase will allow you to keep working just as if you were online. Even while you temporarily lose a connection, you can still write and read and keep doing your operations. And then when your connection comes back, it will sync up with the remote data um, and keep operating as if you never went offline at all. So that reduces your code complexity quite a bit. You don't have to handle all the failures and all the you know, socket problems and what happens when the server goes down temporarily and Firebase takes care of that internally. That sounds kind of magical. Cool. So um, what... Uh, uh, do, are there any apps that we would be familiar with that uh, that use Firebase? You want to take this one? Yeah. Um, so if you're familiar with uh, Twitch TV, they uh, they use us. They uh, notify their users uh, when somebody goes on air and live. They use that through Firebase. They use chat through Firebase. Um, if you have glasses and if you've heard of Warby Parker, they have one of the coolest use cases for Firebase. Uh, I've ever heard of, essentially in their New York store, when you order, uh, you you get fitted for your glasses and everything, and then you go up to the counter, and they say, okay, well, we're going to order your glasses now, and they pop out through, like, pneumatic tubes, like something you would see in, like, a mailroom, 
and how they actually send those uh, tubes, like uh, tell which glasses to go through and pop it up to which counters, all powered through Firebase. Huh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, that was that was really cool when we heard that. Uh, like uh, CBS uses us to power some of their uh, reality TV show chats, like Big Brother. They have a live a video stream and they plug in a chat next to it so like you know tens of thousands if not more of people just tune in and just like trash the people who are in the house and stuff like that um, uh, we yeah so we, we have a uh, we have uh, one of our we have a really cool upcoming customer called uh, Washio uh, and they're essentially uber for laundry so they're they're big here in San Francisco like I've used them uh, and I was pleasantly surprised to find out they were a Firebase customer but um, Essentially, you order for them to come and pick up your laundry, and then they come and take it, and then they come back and drop it off to you. And they use a lot of our services to do uh, like the actual Uber part of it, and like seeing where your driver is, and a lot of uh, all the real-time capabilities they have. They do all that through Firebase. Cool. So, sorry, go ahead. I didn't say anything. Oh. <laughs> I, I have to disagree. You you thought the uh, coolest app was the. Uh, you know, the glasses and the tubes. I have to say, real-time pirate tracking is by far the best on Firebase. Forgot about that. <laughs> so there's a company called Maritime that's actually using us out in the Gulf. Um, they do security for uh, for frigates and ships that are that are going through uh, all the all the dangerous areas there. And uh, they're actually using Firebase to help uh, track all their security experts and their and their shipments and all of their sort of uh, logistics for dealing with pirates. Hmm. So real-time so pirate tracking. Yeah, so we're also uh, a piracy, or, you know, we actually fight pirates is one of our other <laughs> sub-services. <laughs> yeah, Firebase, fight pirates. <laughs> That's the new tagline, awesome. <laughs> cool, you heard it here first. <laughs> cool. Um, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit and, and talk about um, how Angular and Firebase work together to make something awesome. So Firebase sounds terrific on its own. Um, what, what, how do these two uh, come together to, to build something cool? Cato, do you want to take it? Yeah, they're, they're looking at me because um, I, I wrote the bindings between Firebase <laughs> and Angular um, together with uh, Anant, who wrote them initially, and then I've taken them over since then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Firebase and Angular work so amazingly well together. Um, I don't know how I did any web development before they existed. I, um, you know, I was trying to write an app in jQuery the other day for an example, and I was just so exhausted by it and just wanted to whip out Angular and have it done in five minutes. And um, the, the really cool thing is, you know, Angular is such an amazing tool for for binding your JavaScript to the DOM, for, for not dealing with the DOM at the sort of um, procedural level. And then when you add Firebase in, you just sort of add a line or two into your code, and now it's magically synced to everybody else who's, who's using that app at the same time. Um, and we do that with a binding library called Angular Fire um, that Firebase maintains. Uh, it's one of our, it's our official binding library for Angular and Firebase. Um, and essentially what it does is it provides you synchronized arrays or synchronized objects and some tools for simplifying authentication with Angular. Um, and you can take those and just hook your Angular, Fire, your Angular data into them, uh, synchronize it up to your Firebase data store, 
anytime you make changes locally in Angular, they automatically synchronize with all the other users. So how does my, like, let's, let's say I've got an app that I, I'm already using um, some, like, advanced modeling, and I have a model layer. How does Firebase inter integrate with that um, kind of a, um, uh, my models that I have existing already? Yeah, so, I mean, if you're working with arrays, which is pretty common in Angular, uh, we have a service called Firebase Array. And essentially, you give it a back-end URL in Firebase. All, all your Firebase data, again, is, is a JSON data store, and you can access any path in that by uh, just providing a URL straight down to the data. So if you had a, a collection of users and then user ID, you can just go to your Firebase URL slash users slash the user ID. And then you can synchronize that up. If you want to synchronize the entire user list, you can use the Firebase array. You just pass it that back-end ref where it's going to sync to. And now you get an array back. You can use the array normally. Uh, there's some special methods on it for adding and removing users in Firebase. And they automatically synchronize with the server. You can change something on a user, hit save. Um, the user's automatically synchronized back to Firebase. Uh, we have the same thing for objects, a Firebase object service that you just uh, include in your controller. And then you can uh, synchronize that way as well. And you can also extend these. We have some great extend capabilities on these for creating your own services that can have more complex features and functionality on them. So essentially, Firebase Array and Firebase Object kind of become the base of your model in Angular. And then you just build off of those from there. Can I make those, um, like, if I had an array of users, could I make those, like, an instance of a user class that had, like, methods on it and, and uh, things? Is there a way to hook in like that? Yeah, so the dollar extend method, um, there's a dollar extend method on both the Firebase object and the Firebase array, um, and they're really quite powerful. You can hook into almost all of the events, you know, adds, removes, updates, and so on. And then um, it's really trivial. In fact, we have an example in the guide showing how you can, um, say, create an instance of user and use that whenever a new record arrives from the server, um, whenever you call add. And then when you save those back to the server, it's just a matter of two JSON on that data to get it back into the JSON format. Are there any kind of limitations on like those collection sizes? How do you deal with like really, really, really large ones? So um, yeah, pagination is good. Infinite scroll is good. Um, we have a third-party library that actually provides those. It's experimental at this point, but it's pretty powerful and pretty cool. Um, you can actually modify the references before you pass them into Angular Fire. So for instance, there's a library called Firebase Util. Uh, I'll make sure we can get a link to that um, that you can use. And you can provide a paginated list. And then you can pass that into Angular Fire. And whenever it updates, the Angular Fire array will automatically synchronize whatever you're looking at currently. The infinite scroll is really amazing with that. It's like four lines of code to, uh, to do infinite scroll plus synchronized arrays plus automatically pushing it out to all the users in the universe. I mean, when, when David put that together and showed it to me, I was pretty blown away by, by just kind of how amazing it is to just put those together. It's like, it's like pipe. I mean, it's like you know, piping stuff in Linux. You know, you just, you just pipe, pipe, pipe. You're done. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I, I, uh, one of my previous jobs, I built an infinite scroll uh, list, and I'll tell you what, it was not <laughs> four lines of code, man. <laughs> <laughs> So that would be that would be really nice. So uh, one question that I, I had uh, was so we we have an an existing um, 
application, and there's a piece of it that we want it to be want to be in real time. So I work for Alianza, uh, we're voice over IP, and um, we have when users create a an account, they uh, have to register their device with us, so their phone. Um, and inside of our app, we show whether or not that device has been registered, and that like a big use case is to uh, be in the app while you're registering the device, and then you want to see that the device is actually registered, you can start making calls, so that would update automatically. So um, how um, difficult or easy would it be to integrate um, the API that we're using to know whether that device is registered with Firebase so that I, as a front-end Angular developer, can um, just use Firebase and, and let it, it do its real-time awesomeness? So, so um, go ahead. Oh, saying, uh, so you're talking about hooking up your your own custom backend with Firebase. Is that the main question? Yeah, um, yeah. So that my backend could update the Firebase, um, and then I would respond to that change. So uh, I'm going to take it, uh, Kent, that you're familiar with JSON Web Tokens. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, so uh, inside Joe Kent did a course on Egghead about JSON Web Tokens. Uh, so Firebase uses uh, JSON Web Tokens. So we have token generators uh, that are written in many different. We have our own token generator libraries that are written in different languages. Um, and so you could, you know, there's one for Node, there's one for PHP, there's one for C Sharp. And you can go out and uh, generate a token with your Firebase secret, which is like your keys to the castle of Firebase. And so when you sign those tokens with your secret, you can then authenticate any uh, anybody, really, uh, to your Firebase. Um, and so then your backend is hooked up to Firebase. Your backend can pipe in data to Firebase. And then just as you're talking about, your client is only reading from Firebase. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's a really good system that a lot of people uh, use with their apps with Firebase. Cool. So with something so, so small... I want to touch on something important for that, Kent. Uh, uh -huh. So what I really love about doing this kind of solving this kind of problem with Firebase is that if you treat Firebase as sort of the central authority as the like as the API and the backend server, um, all your services like start shrinking down to these little you know node scripts of 20, 30 lines. You know you don't have a server anymore to maintain, and so you you of course already have a backend, but like interfacing with it is just a matter of saying I'm going to put this data into Firebase and somebody else is going to consume it. And when everybody starts becoming a consumer of Firebase like that, it's really powerful and easy to do these sort of integrations. And I think that's a, a huge advantage that you have by using Firebase as your backend. So how does Firebase scale with, like, hundreds or thousands or millions of users? Like, um, I, I once heard it said um, that WebSockets doesn't scale very well, um, but that may just not be true. So I'm, I'm curious uh, what your take is on that. Yeah, so I, I think uh, w one thing that's important is, like, choosing a good structure for your data. Um, and so being a NoSQL database, like, you structure your way di differently than you would in, like, a traditional SQL database with a bunch of different tables. And so we have a bunch of docs on, like, how to flatten your data. And which is what this means is that, like, you don't want to build your, you know, it's just a JSON object, but you don't want to build it really deeply nested. Because the limiting factor on a lot of, um, especially on a lot of mobile devices, is like how much data can you send across the wire? Like how much bandwidth are you using? And so if you want to like grab a user, it doesn't make sense to like maybe store all of the uh, like the user's comments in that user node um, because every time you want to grab that user's like profile information, 
then you're going to be pulling in all the data with all the comments they've had, uh, their historical comments, which may be, you know, for some users, you know, a bunch, you know, several megs of data. And so the, the way you would structure it is you'd have like a user's node, which has, you know, their, their user information, and then you just store like all the comment IDs. And then you have a separate comments node, which actually has a lot of the content for that comment. And so really as your data, as your data scales up, uh, you need to make sure that like the data structure you're choosing um, is, is efficient and is going to allow you to do like the queries on your data that you really want. Um, and like I said, we, we have a lot of information about this uh, in our documentation. And we'll make sure to link to that. So it's certainly possible to scale big. Um, Twitch has, what, 45 million users, users now? Um, and that's not all, I mean, that's not all done without some help from our end and, you know, without some guidance for them, obviously, that kind of scale. Um, but the, the, um, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I think, I think an example like Twitch is kind of, like, yeah, we scale. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like, one of my favorite things to say about um, scaling and, and about size is that the real sort of limitation is bytes over the internet, right? You're transferring information over the internet. If you're transferring a megabyte of data, it takes as long as a megabyte of data it takes to transfer. Uh, and that really turns out to be the biggest bottleneck, is just transferring the bytes. Uh, the number of users listening, Firebase does a really great job of optimizing those sorts of things. Um, it's really just the byte count. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we we see you know over one million concurrents at any point in time. So there are over a million people connected to our servers like right now, and so like that should give you the the idea that like yeah, this scales. We see a lot of traffic, um, and like things are still humming along, uh, and we're we're doing well. Wow, I wonder, am I connected to Firebase right now? Without even knowing, like, that's a lot of users. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's connected to Firebase. Your, your refrigerator might be connected to Firebase right now, don't you know? Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. I, I am wearing my Firebase shirt today, and there is yeah. a refrigerator on here somewhere, or a washing machine. <laughs> Does Firebase always sit on top of MongoDB, or is it like configurable what you would use? So, yeah, so Firebase is, is written on MongoDB. Um, we're currently working to, uh, you know, now that we're at Google, we're, we're moving on to Google's infrastructure because Google is kind of good at that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so we're, we're, you know, we've been talking with a lot of internal teams and uh, figuring out, like, what is the best path forward for, for helping Firebase scale. Uh, but, yeah, at the time being, it's, it's built on Mongo. Um, that's something that really, like, we hope our customers don't really have to worry about. There's, like, we handle all of, all of that interaction and, you know, we try and present a, a simple API for them to use, and, like, they shouldn't care what the back end is built on, and they should, you know, leave it to us to, to scale it and make sure that it's going to be up. In reality, I think of Mongo almost as, as the backup. I mean, in reality, all the data is in memory. Um, and we have these huge clusters with giant amounts of memory to serve up all the data, which is part of what makes it so late and fast. And Mongo is sort of the backup layer in case, you know, you need to restart a server or something. That's wild. Yeah, you're serving up data for a million users, and it's all in memory. I, I didn't think about that, yeah. <laughs> so actually, this is this kind of reminds me of a, a tweet I saw from, saw from uh, Dave Smith recently. Uh, he, he said that our grandkids will laugh when they find out that it took a football field of data centers uh, to uh, power something as trivial as Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> You don't have a USB stick for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. So um, I wanted to ask uh, as well, we, I, I think we've got about maybe 10 minutes or so. We're getting a couple uh, Q&A, and, and we want to make sure that we end on time. So, uh, But I did want to ask about integration with Ionic. So is there any difference um, in a mobile sense for how you use Angular uh, and Firebase? Um, really, no, because it's Angular, so you just you would uh, use the same type of code. Um, the only differences are the same for Angular that it is for you know like doing authentication through an in-app browser and stuff like that. Uh, we do authentication and stuff like that, but we don't have uh, like our own version of in-app browser. We use the de facto one. Um, but yeah, you essentially uh, can bind really easily to Ionic uh, lists and stuff like that. And uh, that's actually, if you take a look at our ng-conf talk that our uh, one of our co-founders, James, uh, did, uh, the infinite scroll example that Cato was talking about, we demoed that on stage and showed the code for that and everything, and it was all done in Ionic. So it was uh, infinite scroll with images, so we were only loading in like three or four at a time every time you would hit the bottom, and so it would only load as much as you needed and each one of those, uh, uh, it was like a little profile card. Each one of those profile cards were actually observed in real time. So if their name were to update, that would update instantaneously on the field. So it's it's a really good fit with Ionic, and uh, that's I'm, we're starting to see a lot of people do like really cool stuff with Firebase and Ionic because it kind of fits the whole piece together when it comes to mobile. Cool. Um, I, yeah, man, I had another question. Um, I'd say oh, that it's even a little easier with Ionic, Kent. Um, I mean, the infinite scroll example I did was maybe 10 lines of code with just Angular, uh, and I did it with the ng-infinite scroll. And then David came along, and what did it take you, David, like three lines to do infinite yeah, scroll? Was, and like, yeah, was Ionic provides you know, better UI tools for that, I mean, UI widgets, and you just plugged one of those in, and it was done. Yeah, that's a good point. Ionix UI widgets are pretty amazing, and so uh, a lot of the, a lot of the delegates and stuff like that that Ionic expects, uh, Firebase fits into those really, really well. And so a lot of the UI work that uh, you do as an Angular developer kind of disappears when you work with Ionic because they all of their built-in stuff just works really, really well. Uh, I think that's part of the reason that we're so excited to see Angular Material become a real thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that, I sh that, that was not fair. It is a real thing, uh, but even more. <laughs> yeah, they're working hard on it. So, cool. Um, so what about uh, uh, performance? Like, um, is, is there a, a negative impact on performance with the, uh, using Firebase and all this data being bound all over the place? So, so I mean, I can I can speak on that. So uh, I would say no. I mean, that's like that's what we we offer is like the real time updates. And so you know your data will update within within hundreds of milliseconds. Um, and we like like I said, our our clients are almost as complex as our our server code. Um, and like there's a lot of logic in there to do like smart caching and to make sure that, like we're not fetching the same data over and over. Uh, and then like especially with the offline stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of smart caching involved there. Um, and then, like, the WebSockets are, are a huge performance improvement. Um, you know, not having to make a request every time you want data and just kind of gets sent to you uh, is, is, is really nice. Um, so we, again, that's something we, we don't really want people to have to worry about. Like, we want, you know, we're going to handle all the, the performance issues, um, and, like, you just go ahead and build your app, and we'll make sure to, to make it fast. Cool. Um, I think 
Um, we've got a lot of questions popping up, which is really awesome. So uh, I think unless anybody else has other questions that they wanted to touch on really quick, uh, I think we'll just continue on into the questions. I did, actually, you know what? I did want to ask one more question. Sorry, before we get into that. Um, I'm curious about Angular 2. So, uh, David, I think you know a thing or two about Angular 2. <laughs> uh, what, what can you tell us about Firebase and, and Angular 2, and, and how does the tr story change? Does it get better? Does it get more complex? It gets a lot better. Um, like, zones uh, in Angular 2 kind of, like, it's, it's amazing for us, but it's amazing for, like, everyone, too. Uh, like, a sense in, like us not having to worry about when to kick off the digest cycle. Like right now in Angular Fire One, we do all this crazy stuff where we're batching updates uh, to like try to put as less stress on the digest cycle as much as possible. And uh, in, like with Angular Two, zones sort of just like takes the wheel there. And then I created a little uh, for the uh, to do MVC app. Uh, we did. Uh, I created a little Angular Fire uh, like just real like. Uh, very quick example of it, and that's the thing. It was a really quick example. Like I didn't spend a lot of time writing it. It just everything kind of just worked. And Angular was super alpha when I did that. Like we didn't even announce it was alpha when I wrote that. And it's got a, like you know so much work has been done since then. And uh, we're really really excited um, because a lot of the concepts we have right now are going to be able to port over. But then there's also a lot of new stuff that we can integrate with. There's uh, the change detection process. We're going to be able to say like. Uh, what to update and uh, like we're like we will actually be able to say uh, with Firebase we're aware of the old data as well as the new data so we can all like smartly update only the nodes or the elements that have changed and we can do that for you so you don't actually have to do that and a lot of that stuff's being written right now so there's not a uh, like user facing API for change detection just yet so when that kind of comes out into play. Uh, you know, we're definitely going to be excited to integrate with that and with us having a close relationship with the Angular team. Um, like, that's my uh, part-time project at Google is working with them. So uh, we're really excited to, like, uh, come out with something that's just as good, if not better, than Angular Fire 1. I, I have to totally agree with that. I, I'm so excited about the stuff coming out in Angular 2, and I can't wait. I think, I think the, the tools that are available there are just made for Firebase. It's going to be even better even more powerful and quite a bit more efficient and a smaller code base at the same time, which is going to be amazing. Yeah, that's the key thing is the code base is, is like, it's almost like with Angular 2, it's like step one, highlight code, step two, delete. It's like, it's like, <laughs> nice. it's like so much less code that you end up writing. It's kind of crazy. Cool. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to Angular 2, and I think that uh, Firebase uh, is awesome. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, let, let's go ahead and, and we'll jump into some of these questions in, in the Q&A. Um, we've got a yeah, handful of them. So uh, what's the enterprise story like for Firebase? Um, Kato, do you want to do this one? So um, we don't have the right person here to really answer that. Yeah. Mike is our big enterprise guy, and he knows almost all of our enterprise uh, onboarding. Um, we do offer enterprise. We do work really closely with them, and we work extremely hard to help them do performance and to help them set up their servers. And um, we take really great care of enterprise customers. Um, I don't really have much more to offer on it than that. Yeah, we. I mean, there we have a pricing page uh, where if you're interested in enterprise contact, uh, you can go there and fill out that form, and you'll get sent to Mike. Um, 
and so uh, there's that. And also, like, I mean, we are working on a lot of enterprise-like things. So, I mean, we just got EU Safe Harbor uh, within the last month. Uh, so we're trying to, you know, get those certifications to help, you know, bigger enterprise customers. And also some onboarding with Google, um, Google Cloud. So uh, the Google Cloud sales team is anxious to start selling Firebase, and they're working on in, integrating it into some of their packages as well. So it's going to start appearing there pretty soon. Great. Good, uh, good answer. Good question. Um, so uh, this is a, a question from Olivier Colm, uh, who was not able to, to join us. But his question is, what are, um, yeah, what, uh, sorry, are you working on cool, new, exciting features and products? <laughs> that was a hard question to answer. Yes. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> is there anything you can tell us? Uh, spoilers. Uh, so there's me. there's some stuff that's already been announced that we can certainly talk about um, that's that's been hinted or or um, kind of put out. Um, we don't have release dates for any of these things. Um, I can't you know be quoted on any of these later and and uh, prosecuted if if I go wrong. <laughs> don't worry, uh, you won't find um, me anyway. <laughs> so we're we're really anxious. I can tell you what we want to build and and what we're developing right now. We're really anxious to get out some tools for file uploads, um, for managing images and and blob storage and other things like that. Uh, those are under active development. Um, offline storage. Uh, we have some in beta for iOS and for Android. We're really anxious to get that out for the web, and we have a team hard at work on uh, perfecting all of those so we can get them out of beta and get them released for web. Uh, triggers and SMS notifications are big ticket items that have been mentioned in the past that we really want to have. Uh, and we're really uh, looking into uh, more bindings for libraries as well. Um, so those are the things that we're focused on at the moment. Uh, and it will be releasing as soon as we can get them done. <laughs> looking forward to that. Actually, uh, you answered Jurgen uh, uh, Vandemore's question um, about file uploads. So yeah. That awesome. Uh, he'll be excited about that. request quite a bit. We hear you. That's <laughs> uh, coming eventually. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so this one I'm I'm really interested in this question. Uh, this is from Patrick Stapleton. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, immutable data with something like immutable JS and Firebase? Interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I can I can talk a little bit about this. I, so I've never actually used Immutable JS, uh, but I have I have used React, uh, which I think pushes a lot of the the immutable paradigm. Um, and I think so. I, I think it makes the application development much simpler because you're not worried about uh, you're not worried about like data changing out from underneath your feet. Uh, so I think that's something that even like the Angular team is learning with like the two-way data binding that like. It is kind of magical, and it's cool how quickly it can happen. But sometimes it's better to have like a circular, you know, flow of data where like you always have one thing coming in, and then like it's not gonna, there's not some random thing which is gonna come and change it. Um, and so I think that's something React really got right. And like we have a binding for React called React Fire. Uh, I actually wrote it, and it's like it's super short. It's like 50 lines of code, I think, um, and it works really well because. Firebase also is, you and know, you in a way. About to plug that here? I don't know if you can plug that, Richard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'll take it back. Uh, the uh, Firebase is is kind of about immutable data too, because the way the way Firebase works when you're reading data is you you listen for like an on value event, and if you say every time like data at this node changes, go ahead and send me like a snapshot of that data at that point in time, 
And the important thing about that is like that is an immutable immutable snapshot. And so you can go ahead and like pass that snapshot around. And even though if the data is changing later on, uh, that data, you know, that snapshot is going to stay the same. And again, it's all about like making sure the data doesn't change out from underneath your feet. Um, and so, like, I've heard a lot about immutable JS. Like, I definitely want to check it, check it out more. Uh, but I think like Firebase already already follows this kind of immutable paradigm. Cool. And if you want to look at uh, learning that React Fire, um, I have an egghead lesson on it. So go check it out. <laughs> and it, it was crazy simple. I think that lesson's like two minutes long because it's yeah, it's it's very easy. So yeah, cool. Yeah, immutable. Good stuff. Okay, uh, so here's a question. I'm not sure I totally understand it. So maybe you guys will understand um, what this is asking. But it's uh, from Sinan Bolo. Uh, are there any updates on triggers? <laughs> Um, so I, we, we don't, we don't have anything to share, um, at the, at the time being. I think, like, uh, there was some, like, feature creep that we wanted to, like, add some other things before we, we released anything. Um, but we, we, like, there are people working on it, um, but we don't, we definitely don't have, like, a release date for it. Um, and for, for those who are wondering what this is, this is essentially allowing you to, whenever data changes in your Firebase, to kick off uh, like REST requests to other, um, you know, REST APIs. So you can say, like, whenever, like, a user signs up, like, go ahead and send it to, like, SendGrid and have them send an email or, like, go to Stripe and do, like, payment integration. And so this is something that, like, I am very, very, very excited for and something I've been wanting to see for a long time. Um, but it's, it's like, a really big project. Uh, it's a lot of engineering work, um, and we are... We are we are working through the the backlog of things that need to happen for it to, to get released. So, uh, Amy, should they be using SendGrid? <laughs> From uh, my perspective, no. <laughs> so you can use you can use any of them. You need to check out uh, SparkPost. Okay, SparkPost. I will I will definitely check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Just Same throwing that out there. Powering more email than you probably think. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right, triggers. Cool. Coming up, hopefully soon. <laughs> cool. So here's here's a good question. Another from Patrick Stapleton. Um, will Firebase add a uh, an dot observer method that returns an observable? Um. So uh, I don't know. So stuff like that we usually like to uh, like relegate out to its own like bindings and stuff like that. So that would be like an RxJS implementation. And out there in the wild, in some gist somewhere I can find and put in the notes, one of our engineers uh, created an example of using Firebase with RxJS, and that too was like you know like 20 lines of code, like nothing uh, really crazy. Um, so I'm not sure like what uh, we would put into our core SDK because that's sort of like the primitives of everything. Um, but there's, it's definitely quite trivial to implement that on top of uh, RxJS or something, you know, whatever the ES7 observable spec will end up being. So David, I, I feel like one of the limit, one of the problems with that sort of paradigm is is it's very opinionated. So um, Firebase is really big on being platform agnostic. We want to support all the major platforms. We want to support all the major languages. Um, we want to release more SDKs um, for environments we don't support yet, like C-sharp and things like that. But, uh, we definitely want to get to these things, and we, want to, we don't want to do anything that's going to make it more difficult to develop in those platforms. Um, and so we want to make it as easy as possible to develop on those without 
uh, being too opinionated and, and limiting what somebody can do in a different paradigm environment. Yeah, exactly. We want there to be a consistent API across all platforms, and essentially everyone can be in the same playing field. So whether you're writing something in Java or JavaScript or Objective-C, even it all feels very much that it's the same API surface that you're dealing with, even though the method names might be super simple for, you know, on for JavaScript or observe child by a vending path, blah, 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 Objective-C, very long stuff. Um, <laughs> Your hands get hard before the end of the method name. <laughs> we don't have that much time. I can't keep finishing the method name. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so we want to keep everything. Uh, we want, to, we want the, there to be a very small API surface, so when you're using it, it it's all feels very familiar regardless of what platform you're on. Cool. I think uh, the, uh, the question also kind of stems from... Um, uh, and maybe I'm putting words into Patrick's mouth, uh, but like it's nice to have kind of uh, a, a good API blessed because um, then more of the community uses it. Even if it's like a really simple implementation, you just bring in the library, no big deal. Like it's uh, um, wh when it's actually like part of the library, then people start to adopt it. And, and so mm -hmm. I totally understand wh where you're coming from. That um, like it makes a lot of sense. Um, but sorry, Patrick. I don't think that's going to happen. More <laughs> <laughs> observables are, you know, really starting to catch on. Like, you know, they're going to get first-class support in Angular 2, ES7 spec proposal. Like, you know, those are you know things that we very much, I, I very much enjoy using observables. Uh, and so, like, I, I would be surprised if there wasn't some more savvy integration. Like right now, there's a little gist that works very well, and Firebase is like very. Uh, it, it has a very nice fit with observables, so there's something we could do, but uh, we could have a blessed uh, library as this, like, Angular Fire is our blessed version of doing Angular and Firebase together. That's something we officially support. You, you know, we just even released a uh, an update this morning, uh, so, like, uh, we are be more than happy if some, like, if that's something people really want and people want to use, like, like, creating something like that. Yeah, and reach out to support at Firebase for those ideas. Um, we do. We are receptive to those. We talk about every feature that we get in. Um, we discuss them with the engineering team. Uh, the support team works really closely to make sure that they stay up to date on what users are asking for, um, and we're very responsive as a community. Cool. Great. Uh, last question. Uh, this is from Arnav. Uh, I'm so sorry, Arnav. <laughs> I don't know how to say your last one. Um, but the question is, can we just uh, use Firebase as a backend for SaaS applications? I think the answer would be yes, uh, but uh, do you have any comments on it? Yeah, I mean, there. I think there are people who, who are using, like, you don't have to use all of Firebase. You know, you don't have to use the authentication and the hosting and the backend. You can use just a piece of it. There are some people who just use the hosting to you know, get the, the free SSL certificate and the, uh, the, the global CDN. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there are lots of people who are using, uh, using our, uh, our backend for, for their SaaS applications or for their, like, single-page apps, um, and, like, they're not using the authentication or any other pieces of that. And, like, there was a time when all we had was the, the real-time database. Um, so that's kind of what we grew out of, and uh, we're expanding now to be, like, more of a platform, but uh, you can definitely still just use the database. Cool. Alrighty. Uh, so that is it for our questions, unless one pops up and surprises me. Um, so uh, do we have any other questions from our uh, panelists or any other uh, comments from the guests? 
All right. So um, let's let's wrap up then. Um, so I forgot to warn you guys ahead of time, um, but uh, at the end of every show, we answer one question. What and each one of us answers this. What tip would you give a brand new developer? So not just an uh, Angular developer or Firebase, or whatever. Uh, just a, a tip for a brand new developer. And while you're thinking about that, Patrick gave us one more question. And <laughs> so he said, will Firebase integrate um, or use Google Cloud PubSub? Um, I'm not. So, I'm not, yeah, I so PubSub is pretty new. Uh, there are things internally, uh, like, that we've talked about. Like, we've noticed PubSub is, like, awesome and we've wanted to use. Um, so, like, yeah, PubSub is still, I believe, in... Uh, Actually, no, PubSub and beta, there's in the, the other ones in beta. Uh, there's a lot of tools. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of things with Google Cloud that we're, uh, we're definitely going to be integrating with. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. I think the, the short answer with PubSub is, yeah. is probably not. Yeah. Um, like, we, we have a different paradigm than, than PubSub, um, and uh, like, I, I know of no plans to, to integrate with a Google PubSub. Yeah, I have, I have a few thoughts on that. The first is there's a lot of overlap between our capabilities and PubSub. Um, and chances are you can get a lot of that done. Um, I also feel like once we have our trigger capabilities and our, and our sort of ability to trigger external APIs off of data changes, um, it'll be perfectly natural to integrate with a service like PubSub um, by just setting up a trigger. I see. So kind of like a more loosely coupled uh, integration then. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, so... I will go ahead and answer this uh, this question first. Uh, so the tip for a brand new developer for me is uh, reference to my last uh, last week's tip. I, I said rewrite Lodash um, to learn JavaScript. Uh, I feel like, I still feel like that's a very very valuable tip, and, and you should do that. So I'm re-tipping uh, that one. But uh, um, along with that, uh, an, another good tip is uh, don't reinvent the wheel if you're trying to be productive. Um, so like, learn how to find libraries that accomplish what you're trying to accomplish and then move on and, and build something awesome. For example, don't try to rebuild Firebase. That would be a really dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> so unless you just really, really want to learn how to, how to write something like Firebase, um, most of us just want to build uh, products that, like, can be used to bless the world. So, um, yeah, like, Rewriting Lodash, good exercise to learn JavaScript, but if you really want to build something, um, see how you can compose different libraries together to, uh, to work quickly. That's my tip. Amy, what's, uh, what's your tip? Uh, so my tip was going to be pair programming. So even if you, you know, we did a lot of that in the bootcamp I went to, and we did a little bit at work. Um, even if you can't find somebody, um, like, you know, really more advanced than you, just pairing with somebody who's at your skill level can be valuable, too. So that would be my tip. Great. Carmen? Um, my tip would be uh, do a hobby project, but from complete scratch. Like start from complete scratch and just do it outside of work. The things that you don't do at work, something new, just for, for your passion, for your spare time. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Carmen. Um, all right, you guys can can fight out. No, just kidding, Jacob. Uh, why don't uh, Why don't you go first, Jacob? Yeah, my my tip would be to like if you're looking for a project to do, to like sit down and like brainstorm for like the first thirty minutes and just think about like problems that you have in your daily life and like issues that you run into 
that you think like could be improved by technology and then like write down you know 10 of them and then pick one and go and build it because it's likely that if you have the problem that like other people have the problem as well and figure out how you can integrate it with Firebase, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, right. my, ahead, my tip would be to uh, wake up early. Um, not, not stay up late, but actually wake up early. Uh, so I get up at 4 a.m. every morning, uh, which is not a stretch because <laughs> my son will wake me up at 6, so it's not, like, super crazy. Um, <laughs> so uh, I wake up at 4 every morning, and those are, like, it kind of encompasses all the things that are, all the tips that everyone gives you. Well, you don't have a lot of the time in the day to actually do those. So at 4 in the morning, you sure do because you don't have a lot of people emailing you or a lot of people bothering you. So, like, have a cup of coffee ready and uh, that's when you can work on your hobby product projects or rebuild Lodash or like watch uh, you know uh, egghead tutorials and stuff like that. It's a, and then by the time that everyone else is awake, you're like ready to go. I mean, you're definitely like crashing at the end of the day, but like <laughs> you're like ready to go at work. Like you've been up like you know at 8 a.m. You've been up for four hours. Yeah, I so I actually wake up at five, so I can second that tip. Um, you guys are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How old yeah, do you think I write <laughs> no, it, I, I, I agree, and especially I think it's applicable if you have kids, because uh, it's pretty much the only time that you can get away from the kids. But it's also really applicable because you have a finite amount of mental energy for the day, right? I mean, you only have so much cognitive resource that you can put out during the day, and once you've gone through the whole day, that's drained, and the evening just is not the best time for any sort of process where you're going to try something new and creative. Oh, that's a good point. Totally. Is that your tip, Cato, or do you have another one? <laughs> no, I, it's going to be hard <laughs> to follow good up on all these great <laughs> tips. I mean, to be honest, uh, great tip, David. Um, I'm gonna. So I'm in. I spend a lot of my time on support, and uh, one of the big trends I see these days is that um, uh, new developers don't take the time to learn how to ask sophisticated questions. And so my tip to developers would be to have great respect for the developer community's time. Uh, this this comes from personal experience, by the way. Like I've I've been reflecting on this for quite a while because when I was first starting as a developer, I could never really get answers to my questions, and a lot of times I put them out there, and you know, other people get 50 answers, and I get none, and I was really curious why that is. And so I would say, you know, have good respect for the developer time and learn learn how to ask a sophisticated question and how to produce a simple repo of your problems, um, and that's going to take you a really long ways. Not only will you learn how to really debug problems on your own but you will get some great insights from, from some of the experts who will take a little extra time with you to help you out. Oh, that's great. I, as a, somebody who triages issues every now and then, <laughs> um, I, I can tell you that it's, um, I'm, it's easier for me to um, help someone when they've given me a, like a, a good a bug or, or something, and I'm, I'm more anxious to help them understand um, if like if they just simply don't understand um, how something works, if they give me like a real um, issue that's not just like yeah this doesn't work, I'm a lot more um, interested in, in helping. Yeah, um, and I think it's I think it's twofold. You understand your problems better, and then um, in addition, the more experienced and seasoned veterans are willing to give you more time. Like I think it, it gets you some buy-in and mentoring. It's really amazing if you'll take the time to do that. Great. All right, thank you. Uh, so unless we have any other questions, I'm just going to close with a couple announcements, and then we'll say our goodbyes. Uh, anybody have any last uh, comments before I get into that? OK. Any announcements? Thanks for inviting us. I had a blast today. Oh, yeah, totally. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, 
So yeah, just, just in closing, um, tune in again for next week's show, uh, same time, same place, uh, May 12th with John Mueller. Um, we're going to be talking about SEO with Angular. He's the uh, Google Webmaster Central guy. Um, so yeah, it should be a really good show. Um, and then follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to keep up to date. And don't forget to get your Angular Air t-shirt because they're going to be awesome. Um, and a reminder to everybody, if, if you have um, links to share um, uh, from stuff we've talked about, um, like that gist about the observables, I think